Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences. And they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Another Friday and and it's People of the Book. You are my People of the Book. Live with my guest this week, Gail Schimmel, author of Tumor and also of the actor in the park. Hi Gail, great to have you with Janice, I've got a, t- a terrible, terrible echo on this line. Could I ask you to phone me back on a land on a phone number? Um yeah, it's a bit better now. Have you lost that echo? There, there, that's much better. Yeah, that is better. Great. Gail, it's I'm... great to have you. Well thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so Gail, without any delay your new book, Two Months, which was launched literally as we <laughs> went into lockdown. <laughs> literally. <laughs> it's just everything, really. You got that right. Um, so I, I, I don't even know how to ask you, how did that feel? You know, it, it was it was dreadful at the beginning when we realized how the timing was playing out and, you know, I, I'd I got all excited for the launch and um, it, it was all that usual excitement of building up to the launch of a new book and then realizing that I wasn't going to have a launch and then getting my head around an online virtual launch and what that would mean. And on the day that the real launch was supposed to happen, I was so miserable. And then everyone online was so supportive on social media. Everyone was so supportive. And then when I had the actual online launch, it was amazing. Because you have, if you have a really great launch, um, a real launch, you have maybe 70 people. And I had at one stage 230 people tuned into my online launch. And it was people from all over the world. And it was people, I think, it just, for some people, it's much more attractive attending an online activity than attending a real activity. And it was, it was so interesting and it was so fun and it was such interesting questions that wouldn't have come up. You know, you've been to hundreds of those launches at Love Books, you know, at the end when they ask for questions and you get one or two, hopefully. We had so many questions that I had to do a blog post afterwards. It was really, it was interesting and it was fun and I've enjoyed it. And I know that we, I've discussed with, with previous guests and I know, um, I'm actually part of a, an online platform that we've developed for the theater industry. Mm. And we, we discussed the fact that it's this online platform and all these, these virtual platforms that have been developed have actually opened things up so much to larger audiences that we wouldn't have had if these shows and launches and all these different productions and, and things were, were live. So it's actually opened up to future I think um, we're going to see in future. I think we're going to see in future that you'll have a live launch and an online launch. Um, yes. Because this is, and it attracts completely different people. Yes, now that we know that it can be done, I think previously people used to say, oh, is that being filled? We can't attend. Is there going to be um, a recording, is it going mm-hmm. to be filmed? And, and previously, everyone was so quick to say, 
oh, no, sorry, we can't do it or we don't have the facilities. And now we know that we actually do have the facilities and we know how easy it is to do because, I mean, everyone's doing it all the time now. And it just opens things up to a much wider scope for everyone and wider audiences, as, as we've said. So, but I mean, I think, let, can, could you just tell our listeners, I mean, we've said literally as we went into to lockdown, just to let the listeners know, give us the dates of how this, this played out. Because when we say literally, we do mean it was literally within that week. We weren't talking about, you know, within a few weeks or, or that month. It was literally yeah. that week. So, Janice, I'm, I mean, you now quizzing me like I'm in an exam and I'm worried I'm, I'm going to fail. But luckily I've got my diary right next to me. So I'm paging back to check all the cost art things. My, my launch was supposed to be on the 2nd of April. My real launch was supposed to be on the 2nd of April. And there was that push to get some signed copies into Love Books in Melville. So yes. you could quickly run to get some copies. So, it, so only the shelves, it only hit the shelves the day before lockdown. So we had two days, basically, where it was on shelf in Love Books. And that was the only place in Joburg where it managed to get it on shelf. I think Cape Town had been one day before that. Um, and... We are basically, we, I mean, it was mad. We, we desperately tried to get as many hard copies available in those two days as we could. Um, and then everything closed and that was that. That was that. And so, so, so we really aren't, um, you know, sugarcoating this. This was a very real and difficult situation that this put you in. And, the turnaround time, I mean, we're talking about, there were amazing people behind us. I mean, Pam McMillan, who are your publishers, they were fabulous. They really were. I mean, you, you have amazing support from them, I know. Yeah. And amazing they support are fabulous. From, from the, the, they, they are amazing. And they put this together literally within hours. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, this is, this is something that, We've obviously never encountered before. It's something that is totally unforeseen. And I mean, not even the launch. I mean, we were, we were thinking about, you were supposed to be at the Jewish Literary Festival, which was, was something that my guest last week, um, Hedy Lampert was also, um, and that, yeah, that. that was actually the first sign of, of, of everything. I don't want to say falling apart because things haven't fallen apart, but it was, it was the first festival that I was going to be involved in that was cancelled. And it was, it was when that was cancelled that I was, I was like, uh, this isn't going to play out the way I imagined it was going to play out. And I mean, I had very exciting things for Kingsmead. Um, I was going to be interviewing Marion Keys at Kingsmead. So I was beside myself with excitement about Kingsmead. Like, I couldn't breathe excitement. And with her in Franschhoek in a couple of weeks. I mean, uh, so I am actually going to try and get her on the show. Hopefully in a couple of weeks when we were supposed to be in front of space. So <laughs> yeah, that, that I think we that we're all heartbroken about that because um, she was our our big uh, our next big thing this year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Australian. So, yeah. So now, you've got to with, now you've got to make do with us local authors and you've got to make do with us digitally rather than in real life. I think we are, <laughs> you guys, you know, we, we keep saying our local authors are actually pretty fabulous and your books are quite amazing too and we we need to really promote that fact which is what i am attempting to do on this show to let everybody know that the books that you guys are producing are amazing they they really are and this book that you brought out now apart from the previous books which we are going to discuss briefly later because we're going to discuss the genre that you've moved you've moved through i mean you do You've spoken about thrillers as opposed to thrilling. I know that that um, you do compare the two, but um, your previous books, your first book was Marriage Vows. Yes. And then you followed that up with Whatever Happened to the Cowley Twins. Yes. And then there was The Park. Yes. And The Accident. And now your latest one, two months. Yes. Okay. So um, I think we're going to go into an ad break. And I'm just waiting to see what's happening with that. And then when we come back, we're actually going to talk about what two months is about. So we are going to tempt um, the listeners because they are definitely going to go and get this book. I don't know when. Bookshops are open. <laughs> after this ad break, you are going to tell us all about two months after this break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. And I'm back with my guest, Gail Schimmel, author of her newly released book, Two Months. Hi, Gail. Hi there. And we were chatting before about how this book came out just as we went into lockdown. But now we're going to get into the nitty gritty of exactly what this book is all about. So tell us about two months, why it's called two months and what exactly this book is all about. Well, I'm not going to tell you everything, but what I'm going to tell you. Um, so the book is about Erica who wakes up one morning and finds that she has forgotten the last two months of her life. And as she starts to piece together what happened in those two months, she realizes that her husband, who she loves dearly and, and seems to be a very nice man, but he's not telling her the truth. And she has to start working out for herself what happened. And we, we follow her. As we on on one hand see what really happened, and on the other hand see see what Erica is finding out. And the themes of this book, I mean, I love the book. It's it's I found it it's it's gripping, and Good. right from the start, it it really draws you in. And the themes of the book are are quite varied. And as I've discussed with with various other um, local South African authors, I know that that people often tend to have quite an aversion to local books and I really don't know why because there's such a, a relevance and such a, a familiarity to them and I know that you 
write books that are based around the area where you live, which is the parks. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's fondly called park. <laughs> yeah, the parks of Johannesburg. The parks no, of Johannesburg. Actually, I don't actually live in the park, to be clear. I do have a house, but... <laughs> Off limits, um, other than between six and nine a.m. at the moment. Um, <laughs> but um, there is such a—it's it's so relatable when you read a book where you recognise the places that are being written about and where the characters are are finding themselves and where they they wander around and the places where they, you know, get their coffee and <laughs> things mm-hmm. like that. And I don't understand why people don't enjoy reading about people and places like that. So Erica, who who is actually a school teacher and who's quite happy with her life, but then wakes up and finds that she's forgotten some of it. Um the the book actually um changes it's it's uh, written in two timelines um yes. from her, her school days and the past and the present. And there's also a theme that runs through the book, and the theme is about bullying, which is extremely relevant. And it's about bullying, um, teenage bullying, school schoolyard bullying, and also bullying in adulthood, which yeah. has extreme. And um, you know, how did how did this concept of, of this memory loss come to? You? Um, it's it's a funny one. So my my last book, The Accident, I had a character who was in a coma for 27 years, and I think that's. That's probably where this idea started because obviously I was researching comas and can you actually be in a coma for 27 years because it would have been a bit of a mess if I wrote a whole book about it and then found out you can't be and you almost can't be, but it is just possible. Um, and in that I, I read a bit about memory loss and I also started study psychologies and, and when I studied psychology I, I was very interested in memory loss and fugue states and things like that and I think then when I decided I wanted to write a proper thriller, because that's where this book started, I got it into my head that I wanted to write a thriller. And I, I immediately decided I wanted characters, a character or characters who had lost a piece of their lives. Um, and then for a long time I fixated on a very bad idea where people would have lost a piece of their lives in their teens and now in their adulthood would find out what had happened there. But when I when I dropped that idea and thought, what about if you woke up the day after the time that you've lost? What then? And then I then two months kind of came to me. Um, so so yeah, that that's that's where the idea came from. So the concept of this this loss of memory is that, I mean, you've done the research. Is that from from a traumatic incident? Would would that cause the memory loss? Or, or am I giving away? Well, I mean, in the, yeah. yeah. Because in, in, this case, in this case, sorry, Janice, you, I'm losing you a bit. I've actually, just, I've actually just read a book called The Girl in the White Dress. It's by um, a gentleman by the name of Paul Barrell. And the book itself is based on um, actual events that have happened in his life. Mm. And um, it's loosely based on the events. And it's quite difficult to separate what you think might be factual and what might be fiction. Um, I still um, need to have that, that conversation with him. But um, it's about mm. this this man and he's moving house and in the process he unearths 
um, a box and in it he finds an old menu and a couple of photos from a cruise that he went on with his parents when he was a teenager. And he finds a photograph of one of the photographs is of himself and a group of other teenagers who all met up on this cruise and spent a lot of time together. And the other one, he's not in the other photograph. And the menu is signed by a whole lot of them. And he realizes that someone has signed the menu and put an address on the menu. And he realizes that he's actually moving into a house that is next door to this address, which seems quite bizarre. And he starts, you know, he can't get this out of his head and he can't get this cruise out of his head, but he, he realizes that he's missing parts of the memory that he has of this trip that he took with his parents. And he starts to ask a lot of questions of the people in the area where he's moving to. And he starts trying to ask his mother about it. And she's quite vague and he realizes that he's, he's not getting all the answers that he needs and she's she's being very um, circumspect about it and he's not getting answers from her. She keeps changing the subject and he he understands that he, he doesn't have a clear memory of everything mm-hmm. that happened on this cruise and he's actually lost some of that memory and something clearly happened on this trip that he doesn't remember and that was quite unpleasant and he's blocked it out of his memory and he has no recall of the incident and when he does kind of have this blurry, hazy memory of the incident, he recalls it incorrectly. So this is why I have the question about about memory loss and trauma. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it's quite an, it's a very interesting book. Um, I mean, I, I think that memory loss is such an interesting thing. I think we all we all feel so in control of our memories, and this idea that you might lose your memory or lose part of your life, and the idea that you might have been out there doing things that you don't know what you did, it's a very frightening idea for us all. So I think it's something that resonates with most people. I mean, I mean I've had one reader who had had a spell of amnesia and found the book quite upsetting because it triggered that 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 feeling of not knowing what she'd forgotten and that feeling of what happened when you didn't have your memory. Um, and I think it's something we can all relate to, and maybe that's why it's a theme that does come up in writing. But memory is very interesting in that I know I don't have siblings myself. I'm an only child. But I do Me know. Too. Oh, <laughs> yes, we have that in common. <laughs> Um, I do know from, from friends of mine who often argue with their siblings because they have such different memories of the time that they had growing up and they will remember the same incidents so differently. And yes. one will remember something and the other one will, will remember it and say, no, that's just not what happened and it, it's it's kind of like oh you were the favorite child no no I, you were the favorite child you you know 
and the, the, no, I'm not talking about, um, you know, that, that friendly banter and that friendly bickering. I'm talking about, um, very strong feelings of yeah. things that happened where they have very clear differing memories of, of the same incident that causes friction in uh, their current relationship. And I found And there's a whole field of psychology looking at this. I mean it's it's fascinating and what changes our memories and why we will swear blind that something happened that didn't didn't actually happen that we were that we might have been told about or we might have embroidered. I, I told a story about my children the other day that that I swore blind the one child had said X, and then a Facebook memory popped up and I told I completely misremembered the story. It was the other child. Don't you love Facebook? Social media is just marvelous. Reminder. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. It, it really, really is that that whole concept of memory and and how how it can be manipulated. Absolutely. Yeah. So that two months, and we're going to leave two months there because we obviously don't want to give away any more of the plot. We don't want to give away where it goes, where it comes from, where it ends up. But we are going to encourage all of our listeners to go out and look for this book online or in a bookshop when yeah. bookshops open up. I know we have appealed to um, the powers that be that books are an essential item because they are. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> Don't start that trend. <laughs> you do write about women, and you do write from from a female perspective. I know that um, there are often women who write in the guise of men. You don't do that, um, but you do write very much from a female perspective. How would you feel about? putting yourself in a male persona, would you ever do that? Would you, would you ever think of trying that? So in whatever happened to the Carly twins, I, I wrote from four points of view and two of them were men. Um, one was a gay man um, and one was a straight man. Um, and in in the accident, I do very briefly go into into a male character's head, but but it's it's in quite a light-hearted way, and he's a bit of a caricature of a character, so that doesn't really go go into his maleness much. But you know, I, I I'm I'm, the, I'm a writer who who reluctantly keeps that rule right, what you know, to some extent. You know, I write about the area I know, and I write about the sort of people that I know, and I do know women better than I know men because I am a woman. Um, and I do know, you know, I write about female friendship a lot because that's, because I have female friendships. Um, I don't know what male man-to-man friendships are like because I can't have them. Um, so, so to that extent, I do, I do find I'm more comfortable writing from a woman's point of view because obviously it's more familiar to me. But I let the story dictate it to some extent and if if a male voice has to be heard, then it will come out. Yes. 
and and in this book, um, Kenneth does. I mean, he does have a voice. You'd, well, you're not writing from his perspective, but he does have a voice. And he was quite, he was, I think we can say about him that he's a very nice character. Um, and that he was quite relieved after, after an accident, I've written this quite, um, stereotypical caricature of a, of an unreliable man. Um, it was, it was quite nice to write a likable man. Yes. I mean, in, in the accident, um, I'm, I'm just looking. At the accident, I mean, I do remember the accident and I remember, um, with the reviews of the accident, people were very up in arms about that character and people had quite well, a lot to say. People took against him. They didn't like him, but you weren't supposed to like him. And I think you, you very deliberately wrote him like that. People did want to do him bodily harm and they were quite vehement in, in their reactions to him. And, um, it was quite amusing to read their reactions to him. It was actually hilarious. Um, I think was his name was his name Daniel. Daniel, yeah. Yes. He was hilarious. He really was hilarious. And he was he was I mean I'm not going to um, open myself up to to a whole lot of um comment here and say he was one of those typical males who behaved in such a way that he just really didn't understand why women were angry with him. He was hilarious. Yeah, and so, like I say, he was a caricature. He was a caricature. He was an extreme example of a certain sort of manhood and a sort of certain type of quite charming toxic masculinity. But, but I was always aware, he was a caricature in a sense. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I think it's important. And I think that's why I also felt it was important in the accident to write a more nuanced man. To, to calm down all those those people who who had such, such to reassure the men that I do actually like men and yeah and all those reactions to Daniel and um, if you want to know what we're talking about you can also go and look for Gail's book The Accident which is a fabulous read I have to tell you I mean her her recent books. She's on a roll, and and I have to, I, I just have to mention. I mean, I can't not mention the banner, because the banner <laughs> you had for the accident was much spoken of, and the banner was um, caused for much um, jealousy and and um, yeah, people loved the banner. We we did love the banner. I, I think and I think to give background really, to that. As you grow as a writer, your publishers spend a little bit more and more and more on marketing you. And for the first time, for the launch of the accident, I had a banner. Um, and it was the first time I had one, so I was very excited and I bragged about it a lot. And, you know, I think maybe my biggest disappointment with two months is because we haven't had any live events. I haven't had a banner. I was hoping I might get a poster this time. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> but really the banner was it was fabulous. It traveled with you. It, it went everywhere. Everyone posed with it. It was fantastic. Pam McMillan, well done. It was, it was out of this world, really. And, and hopefully when we are out of lockdown, we will at least have a poster for two months, I hope, or a something. Maybe even I just think a postcard. I mean, <laughs> a bookmark, maybe a bookmark. A something. A bookmark, yeah. 
<laughs> it would be great. I think bookmarks are great marketing tools. Everyone listen up. After this break, we are going to chat about writer's gym after the break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm back on air with my guest, Gail Schimmel, author of Two Months, The Accident and The Park, amongst others. Gail, great to have you back with me. And um, we've been chatting about your book. We've been chatting about your lockdown launch. And mm-hmm. we're going to chat about how you've been um, staying active with your writing. I mean, I know lockdown has been hectic for you. You are still working. You are homeschooling your kids, as we all are. You are cooking up a storm. And tell me about what I know you are are involved with a group of people um, with something that you call Writer's Gym. Tell us what Writer's Gym is. So Writer's Gym is something that Pamela Pye and I and KCB Dolan started as a bit of a joke on Twitter where we would check in. And this was a few years ago. Um, I don't even know exactly which book I was writing at the time. We would check in with each other on what we'd achieved for the week. Um, and now we've recently, we've taken it up again. We've done it on and off with various books through the years, but we've taken it up in quite a serious way. And quite a lot of local writers have joined us. Um, and you, we, we check in with each other on a Sunday under the hashtag um, Writers Gym. And for some reason, I've been designated the whip-wielding um, dominatrix role, which is absolutely ridiculous because anyone who knows us knows that that's Pamela Power. Um but so, so it's kind of holding ourselves accountable for how many words you write. Um, but, I, but I must say the thing that I'm finding interesting, you know, I see lots of writers are really struggling to write, and I am really struggling to read, but I'm not struggling to write, which is a huge relief. I almost find I'm, I can retreat into writing and get away from everything that's happening in the real world and go to the fantasy world in my head. So that's been it's been a pleasure and a relief, and at least there's something that I can do properly still. That's incredible, because I know you, you're quite right. A lot of people have said they're finding it very difficult to read and very difficult to focus on any one thing, actually. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you are finding it easy to write is incredible. And are you busy writing a new novel at the moment? I am indeed. Oh, that is fabulous news. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very secretive writer. I never talk about my next book before it's done. Um, and I also always, I always promise myself when I finish a book, I tell myself I'll allow myself a break um, because I do have quite a hectic day job um, and I do have kids and I go, okay, just write this one and then you can have a little break. And then another idea will come to me. And when an idea comes and it wants to be written it's easier to write it than to fight it. And and do you write from start to finish? Do you write, you know, chapter ten, chapter fifty, chapter three? No, yeah, I'm, I'm start to finish. I I've never been able to understand people who don't do it like that because to, I write it like I want you to read it. 
Obviously, in the editing, occasionally a little bit might change, but I've never changed the order of a book, interestingly. With the accident, while I was writing it, no, not the accident, sorry, with two months, while I was writing it, I kept thinking maybe this book's going to work better if we tell the whole now story and then we tell the whole then story. So I thought it might be the first book where I changed the order that I wrote. But as it turned out, that that wouldn't have worked. Um, and I, I wrote it in the order that that you read it. That's interesting. So, so you're saying that you wrote it in that back and forth order? Yeah. Um, I think because for me... In, on one level of my head is reading the book as I'm writing it. So I want to, I want to write it as the reader would experience it. And I also, I know there are writers who go and they write the big, um, denouement before they, re- before they get there so that they know what they're writing towards. And there are two reasons I wouldn't do that. Not that it's wrong, but I wouldn't do it. First of all, because you might change your mind along the way about exactly how things are going to play out. And secondly, because I keep it as a treat that you know you're writing towards this big scene and you're looking forward to it and you know exactly how you're going to do it. So it's one of the things that, that keeps you writing that that big scene's going to happen. And you know what the big scene's going to be because I always I mean, know when I start how my book will end. Um, I know, I know where I'll be in the middle more or less and I know more or less where I'll end. Two months, the ending actually did change while I was writing. And if you look at my notes for two months, there's in the middle of a page, there's a note going, Oh my God, does she? And then I write the end of the book. And I, I only realized that probably 10 or 20,000 words into the book. Um, but, but other than that, I always know exactly, I'm not a, I'm not a pantser. I don't write characters and then hope they'll take me in the right direction. I know where I'm going. I once tried to write yeah. characters and then because other writers talk about how you write these characters and then they tell you what will happen and all you have to do is follow them and write down what happens. So I tried it and I invented a cast of characters that I liked and I followed them writing down what happened and they went quite far and they went outside and they they weren't very warmly dressed and they were under a tree and they set the tree on fire and then they wanted me to get them out of that situation and I had no idea why they were there. So they're still sitting under that tree and that tree is still on fire. I abandoned them. Well, that's interesting because when I hear authors say things like, um, I didn't know where that was going to go and then the character went off on this whole different journey and I just followed the character and I'm thinking, what do you mean you followed the character? It's your character. You're writing the character. How, what do you mean the character just went off on its own? How did the character do that? It's, it's the character's you. And I, I've never understood that. I mean, it does happen to me a little bit. It does happen to me a little bit. Um, I've, I mean, I've got a character in the book I'm writing at the moment who I've, I named her after a friend of mine thinking she'd be a very nice character. And she's turning out to be a bit of an odd character, but she won't change her name. I'm trying to make her change her name, and she won't have it. She wants to keep her name. Um, so they do take on a bit of a strength of their own and you've got to remind yourself that really these people only exist in your imagination and if you want them to change their names they don't really have a choice but so it does happen a bit but I don't think I think for some writers it's stronger than for other writers and you really do I mean some writers I mean I don't know about you I know some of them really 
go off into their own heads, into their own space and their own place, and they don't come out until they're finished. You know, my thing is I have a real life. I have a day job and I have children and I have a real, I don't have the luxury of that type of writing. I don't have the luxury of, of going into my imaginary world and emerging in three months after I've written it all down because people want supper and people need to, at the moment, be homeschooled but normally be taken to school and, and I have this proper job that has to be done. Um, so I don't have that luxury and I think that's a good thing and a bad thing because I think that I'm very realistic about my writing. I have to get it done in the time that I have. I don't have time to be precious about it. I must sit down, I must write my words, I must get them out. I can't wait for the muse to arrive. I can't get all kind of hypersensitive about things and not talk to people because I'm in my world because it's just, it's not like that for me. Right, right. And after the break, we will wrap up with a chat about what you are reading now and what you recommend after the break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am back with my guest, local author Gail Schimmel. Gail, we've been chatting about your books, your latest book, Two Months. We've been chatting about your writing process and writer's gym and real life, imaginary life. Tell us about what you have been doing during lockdown. I mean, you've said you've been battling with your reading. You've been struggling to read, so you've been writing, which is great. So what, yeah. what would you recommend, other than your own books, obviously, <laughs> what, what would you recommend for um, so, what what do you recommend? So I mean, I've really been struggling, and I've tried reading thrillers, and then I've I found them too thrilling. Like it adds to the anxiety for me instead of for some people, it removes them from the anxiety. For me, it just makes me more anxious. I had a very bad experience. Amy Hendrick recommended a book that she said was a cozy mystery. And her definition of cozy means that there was a jacket potato in somebody's meal and therefore she thought it was cozy. And it put me in such an anxious state I couldn't finish it. Um, so then I, so I've, I've enjoyed three things during lockdown. Number one, I've got a terrible guilty pleasure which is an absolutely rubbish, cozy series about a witch PI. And that's a whole genre. You must look into it. It's fascinating. There is a whole genre of witch PI books. And I somehow got into one of them. And they are absolute nonsense. And I've been able to read them. And they're lovely. Um, so that's it's a series called... I don't even know what the series is called. The writers Adele Abbott and they all start, they're all named Witch is When. Um, and it's about this absolutely ludicrous witch PI. So I've been able to read them. Then I'm very proud of myself. I read a proper book. I read and loved The Binding. I can't think off the top of my head who it's by, but I, it's, it's not a book I'd normally read. It's historical and it's a little bit magical. Um, and I, I was completely gripped and I loved it. And I got very excited because I thought that my lockdown dyslexia had been healed. But, but now I'm not so sure it has. And then the other thing that I read um, just before lockdown, I think, um, which is Fiona Snickers first in her new series, her Time Maverick series, and the new one came out yesterday, and I'm now in a huge dilemma. 
I don't know whether I'm going to stop reading the book that I'm trying to read, which is which is a very proper read. I'm trying to read um, Diane Sittenfeld's um, something about a river. I can't even remember the title. That that's how bad very I am. Heavy. Um, very heavy. But I'm very tempted to just throw that away and read the new Fiona Snickers because I know that that will grip me. And also um, the covers of Fiona's books in the series are just fabulous, I have to say. Um, I haven't read the first one yet. I haven't got to it yet. I think I did buy it. I think I downloaded it. Um, On the topic of, on the subject of the binding, my hairdresser begged me to buy it purely because she wanted to discuss it with me and it's the type of book that you want to own also purely because the cover is magnificent and I don't care what anyone says we do judge books by their covers um I mean judge me don't judge me take it or leave it (laughs) cover of the binding is beautiful. It really is beautiful. And for some reason, every time I was going to buy that book, I used to walk into the shop, pick it up, look at it, and put it back down again. And I know my hairdresser was extremely disappointed with me because every time I used to go back, she used to say, have you bought it? Have you read it? And no, not yet. I still haven't read it. And it's had such mixed reviews. It's one of those what they call a Marmite book. I yeah. love it or you it. Um, I haven't got to it yet. It's I know it's Well, quite- I loved it and I think I think it's an excellent lockdown read. So I haven't got there yet. On the subject of the cozy mysteries and the cozy I I read one of those I don't think it was by the same author. But one of those witch mystery books a couple of years ago when I was just starting out as a book blogger, I think I read one, very cute, very, very different. Um, I've always for some reason avoided that whole cozy mystery genre. And on the, the rare occasion that I, I do read one, they're quite enjoyable as a, as, as escapism. And um, I've always loved psychological thrillers, but have found lately that I have been avoiding them. As you say, um, it's it's a bit, you, you want something just more enjoyable and more, just a softer read at the moment, I'm finding. So, but thank you for your recommendations and thank you for sharing that with us. We're going to wrap that up now. Gail Schimmel, it has been a pleasure having you as a guest on my show. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope you have enjoyed chatting. And I hope that my listeners are going to go out and or stay in and look for your books. Um, the latest one. <laughs> they are available online. They're available on Amazon, the South African Amazon and on Kobo. Um, so that the latest one is two months. Previously was the accident and before that was the park. All fabulous reads. Please support our local authors. They are great. Gail, thank you so much. Everyone thank you. Have a fabulous week. Keep on reading, and we will chat again next week. Thanks so much. Bye.